This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Cat lovers, welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and hardcore cat lover. So I would like to teach you about something that may be sort of scary to you. Today we're going to talk about cancer, the scary C word. Now I think that the word cancer evokes some pretty terrible images for everybody, but I think that knowledge is power, and if we can learn more about cancer in our cats, then it gives us a mental control over this. So today I have Dr. Sue Ettinger, a veterinary oncologist, to talk with us about what cancer is, what we can do to help identify cancer early, and not to be afraid of cancer. So we're going to be right back with Dr. Sue Ettinger after a quick break. You know what I love? I love my cat. My cat Scamper, he'll hardly even walk for himself. He stands up on his hind feet for us to pick him up. But you know what I don't love? Cleaning Scamper's litter box. Which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust free. Free from heavy perfumes. And it helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So I have Dr. Sue Ettinger, cancer vet, with me today. Welcome, Dr. Sue. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk with you today because, as I mentioned, I think cancer is very scary for my cat lovers, and I want you to give us a little bit of knowledge so we feel a little less powerless when it comes to a cancer diagnosis. So I'd like to start real fast. What is cancer? I hate the word cancer. I, you know, I love what I do and I love treating dogs and cats with cancer because, you know, they handle it way better. And, you know, what is always surprising to me is when I'm in the room with a pet owner, a cat owner, and I say of people, dogs and cats, who do you think is going to handle treatment better? They are always surprised that the answer is cats. So cats handle chemotherapy treatment so much better than dogs. But the reason that I hate the term is because as soon as you say it, everybody sort of shuts down and we freak out and then we think of the word death. But to answer your question, what is cancer? Cancer is a disease and it's many different diseases. And that's what I also hate about it is it's not one disease, but it's a disease of uncontrolled cells that just keep dividing with no more breaks on the system. So they've lost their control and they just keep dividing and these cancer cells get bigger. And then in many cases, the cancers leave where they're, you know, the site that they were first growing and metastasize and spread to other parts of the body. Well, I have, as you know, I have a social media presence and so and so do you. So I'm sure you see the same thing that sometimes I'll get questions that always surprise me and it, and it kind of motivates me to do this show. People post images of tumors on their pets and they say, Dr. Prim, is this cancerous? So 
I want you to explain to my listeners why I might not be able to look at a photograph of a tumor on a cat and tell whether or not it is cancerous. Yeah, and so that is one of the reasons that I started my Lumps and Bumps Awareness Program, See Something, Do Something, Why Wait, Aspirate. You can't look at a mass, I can't look at a mass and know what it is. We have to do a simple test on it, which is called an aspirate, where we stick a needle in it and collect some cells. But I've been fooled in both dogs and cats, you know, where I look at a mass, I'm like, oh, I don't think that one's going to be anything, and it's malignant, and vice versa. So there's no way to look at a mass and know what it is. We have to get some cells. And the other thing that's super important with any lump or bump, you know, or anytime our pets are showing any symptoms that, you know, they may not be right is we want to figure out what's going on early. So when the symptoms are new or when that lump or bump is small. So early detection is really going to be the key to success in treating our pets. So the warning signs, uh, I want I want to hear from you what your advice is for people that, that have animals that haven't been diagnosed with cancer. You know, the biggest advice, and you know this, the problem with cats is they don't go to the vet often enough. And so, you know, I, I want people to know what the signs are, but I, you know, I want everyone to bring their cats to the vet on a more regular basis because I'll tell you their own story. So, you know, I'm a veterinarian, I'm a cancer specialist. I've done, you know, extra training to become a board certified cancer specialist. I'm married to a board certified veterinary internist. So he specializes in internal medicine and our own cat lost, you know, just about a third of his body weight before it was noticed by my mother-in-law. So weight loss is a common sign of not just cancer for our kitty, it turned out to be inflammatory bowel disease. But again, it can be really hard when you're living with your pets day in and day out to notice things like weight loss. Changes in appetite are going to be another, you know, thing that can tell us that something is wrong with our cats. And, you know, I had two cats. We had a multi-cat household. And the other cat was very happy to finish the bowl of food. And so it was really hard to figure out that Jeter wasn't eating all his food because Raziel was finishing all the food for him. So, you know, we didn't know that Jeter wasn't eating well and that it was hard to tell that he was losing weight. So those are two very important things. But as you know, a lot of our cat owners have multi-cat households. So it can be really hard to notice these things. And I think getting to our vets on a regular basis is really important. Going to the vet doesn't mean you're going to get a terrible diagnosis, but if you do have a cancer diagnosis coming, you want to find it out sooner rather than later. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Exactly. And I think, you know, one of the things is we can look at trends over time. You know, one of the things that, you know, for me, the problem with cats, and I have to tell you, I'm a cat owner, right? So this was something, you know, a lot of cat owners, even veterinarians, just sort of assume that chronic vomiting is normal in cats. And it often can be that there's underlying GI disease. It could be lymphoma. It could be IBD. So I think it's really important that you get to your vet and you report what's going on. Sometimes you keep a calendar at home and things like that, but it's really important to check in and figure out what's going on because maybe what we think is normal is not so normal. So I think veterinarians are our own worst enemy because I remember growing up, our veterinarian said, well, cats just vomit, but they don't. And that's wrong. And that was bad advice. If your cat is vomiting, you need to talk to your veterinarian. 
exactly. And a lot of the times it's, oh, they just have, you know, they're a long haired kitty and they have hairballs. And now, you know, there are newer studies saying, well, you know, maybe there's underlying disease with their intestinal tract that allows them not to process those hairballs and that's why they're vomiting them up. So again, I think, you know, we as veterinary professionals are continuously learning as well. But again, it just really highlights for pet owners, it's important that, you know, we're looking for things, changing appetite, weight loss, not just those external lumps and bumps, but a lot of the cancers are internal like lymphoma, you're not going to feel, unlike dogs, you're not going to feel it. So it's really important that you're going to the vet for that exam. They're checking their weight. They're looking for trends and they're able to tell you, you know, you know what? The weight's actually quite stable since the last appointment six months ago. That's great. So I think that we have a great opportunity to change lives because I think too many people think that we do not need to see their cat if it lives indoors and it's not being exposed to parasites and all of that kind of stuff. But you're here to say that's not right. Correct. You know, I think we just need to be more proactive and we need to sort of change the way that we advocate getting cats to the veterinarian. So people are totally okay with having cancer screens themselves. I mean, women do mammograms and pap smears and I don't know, men do some stuff too. I don't know. But <laughs> we, we need to start realizing that our pets need these routine screens as well. And I want to emphasize the importance of that. So you have some things out just out there for people to learn more about cancer, don't you? Can you talk a little bit about your presence Yeah. So, and I think this really ties in well. So let's talk about the top three cancers in cats. The three of them are lymphoma. And in cats, that's usually of the gastrointestinal tract. So that's going to be internal. And that's where appetite, weight loss, vomiting, diarrhea, you know, are going to be really important things for pet owners to look at. But again, going to the vet's going to be important. The other top two cancers are skin cancer and breast cancer, mammary cancer. And those two are ones that pet owners can be huge advocates for their pet's health and, you know, help find them early by doing those monthly exams. So we want to feel our cats, you know, from the tip of their nose to the tip of their tail, and we want to feel their paws and we want to feel them for lumps and bumps. And then we can use some of the resources that I have online. So on my website, drsuecancervet.com in the pet resources section, there's skin maps. You can print one out for the cat and you can note where there's any lumps or bumps. And my recommendation, if the mass is the size of a pea, which is about the size of an M&M or a Skittle, and been there a month, you want to note it on the skin map and you want to go to the vet. Because you know what's really hard when you go to the vet, sometimes finding that lump and bump again. So you put it on the skin map, you go to your vet, you hand them that piece of paper. And I actually keep a skin map in my practices. And when I, you know, track anything, I give a copy to the pet owner. So we're all on the same page, literally with what we're keeping an eye on in these pets. And if they have these lumps or bumps, we're going to aspirate, we're going to stick a needle in it, and we're going to find out if they're malignant. In general, you know, in cats, there's a new paper that suggests that a little over half of them are going to be malignant. So, you know, Do you want to just guess that it's benign? No, you want to go to your vet and if it's malignant, let's get it removed, find out what it is, and then find out if they need any therapy after surgery. 
So a little over half of them are malignant. Now, that's not just a scare tactic. That means it's worth your while to find out. So please, please, cat lovers, see your veterinarian and establish the trends for your cat's weight and get these masses checked out. We cannot emphasize that enough. But can I give you the good news? Absolutely. The majority of these masses, these lumps and bumps in cats will be cured with surgery alone if we find them when they're small. But that the ending is the key part. We have to find them when they're small. You know, and that goes for mammary cancer as well. So breast cancer in cats is similar to breast cancer in women. It's it's much more aggressive than it is in dogs. But studies show that if you find it when it's the size of that M&M, that P, they're going to do significantly better than if you find it when it's, you know, you know, the size of a penny or the size of a quarter. I mean, just those changes can really change the outcome, but, you know, significantly, you know, to the terms of years to six months. So again, feel your cat's if you find something suspicious, it may not be bad, but bring them to the vet and let's find out what it is because we can really significantly impact their outcome if we find out what it is. So we can change the C word into cure instead of cancer for some of these cases. And that is so inspirational. I mean, it's why I'm so passionate about early detection because it really does make a positive impact on these kitty cats. Okay, well, let's take another quick break and then we'll talk a little bit more about cancer in cats. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And Dr. Sue Ettinger and I are continuing to discuss feline cancer and some of the things that cat owners can do to encourage their cats to be healthy and happy and live as long as possible. So I want to discuss a little bit more like the elephant in the room for cat cancer. Can you talk with me a little bit about cancers that are associated with things that we do like vaccinations, for example? Yeah. So the first one that I I just, I laugh when you said the elephant in the room, because elephants are my favorite species, but that's a side note. One of the ones I'm working on, I do talk for one of the upcoming conferences, but I think this is an important one to bring up before we talk about the vaccines is environmental smoke. And there are studies that show that cats that are in homes with smokers can increase the risk of lymphoma to about two and a half to three times. So that, you know, that's one that smokers hate to know about, but I think it is an important one to know about that it could have an impact on their risk for lymphoma. 
So maybe maybe veterinarians should ask or cat owners should tell their veterinarian if the cat is in a smoking environment. Is does does that make a difference? I mean, I think it would be important to know, or especially if you're you as general practitioners, right? You're seeing these kitties when they're young. So maybe that would be something to know and at least advise the owner. You know, when I did my residency in New York City, I would see some of these kitties that lived in studio apartments, you know, really small apartments where the owners were smoking in the apartment. And that could be, you know, definitely more of an impact than maybe somebody who was living in a larger house, right? So I don't know that they looked at that in the study, but I do think it might be something that we would want owners to know when their cats are young. So maybe we could encourage people to stop smoking, if not for them, (laughs) and at least for their cats. Or go outside when they smoke. I don't know. (laughs) So the other one that you asked about is the, I refer to them as injection site sarcomas. They were originally called vaccine-associated sarcomas, but now they're really called injection site sarcomas. Why? Because it's not just vaccines that can cause these connective tissue cancers, but vaccines were the ones that were first linked and definitely by and far the most common injection that we give to cats. Well, I don't want this fear to stop people from taking their cats to the vet. So that's why I brought it up because I think we have enough of a hurdle of not seeing cats and how important it is. Oh my goodness, how important it is to see them because we can make a difference on not just cancer, but a lot of other chronic diseases if we know about them. So I just wanted to allay people's fear about this and still encourage them to take their cat to the vet. Right. So I think it's really important that we understand what the risk. And so the risk is thought to be about one in 10,000 cats that get an injection will get a a sarcoma. So these are connective tissue cancers. So these are usually ones that you're going to feel, you know, by doing your monthly exams. But the problem is when they get big, they can be very hard to manage because they get big and they may require big surgery and they can spread as well. So low risk, but when it happens to your cat, it's a hundred percent, right? So what can we do to minimize them? So, you know, there's been a lot of studies since these tumors were first noted in the 1990s about the formulation of the vaccines, where on the cat that we're giving. So a lot of injections used to be given between the shoulder blades, right? And that's a really hard place to remove a tumor. So now the recommendation from, you know, the feline task force has been to give them on the legs of cats, because that's going to be something that we can be more amenable to surgery. So again, there's been a lot of work into where should we be vaccinating? What is making up the vaccines? And then the other big question you have to ask your veterinarian is, what is my cat at risk for and what do they need to be vaccinated for and how frequently? So if you have an indoor only kitty in a single cat household, do you need feline leukemia vaccine on a regular basis? Doc, do I need rabies? Again, single cat household, indoor only cat. What is my risk in my state if I'm not vaccinating my cat for rabies? Do I need to sign anything? So I can't, you know, give blanket statements, but these are the conversation that you're going to be having with your veterinarian is how often do I need to be vaccinating my cat? Where should we be vaccinating my cat at? And, you know, what is my cat at risk for? I think that the take-home message really for everybody, and I, this is one of my soapboxes, is that vaccinations are not one-size-fits-all. Every vaccine is not right for every pet, dog, or cat. It needs to be tailored to their risks. So absolutely, I would definitely encourage that conversation between my listeners and their veterinarians, but 
don't let the fear of vaccination associated or injection associated sarcoma be the reason or the excuse that you don't take your cat to the vet. Right. And, you know, exactly. Just have the conversation. And I can tell you, I'm in the metro New York, well, I'm north of New York City in the suburbs in Westchester. And a couple of years ago, my husband was bit by a cat at work that was not vaccinated. And it turned out that cat was positive for rabies and he had to go through the whole treatment for it. So rabies is definitely a real risk in our area. It's in the wildlife. So if I had an outdoor cat, I would be vaccinating it for rabies. I would just put it in the proper, you know, location on my kitty and take that all into consideration. So again, and then monitor that site. If you know where your cat is vaccinated, it's part of your lump and bump monitoring program. So if it does develop a bump, you can monitor it very closely and see if it's just going to be a vaccine reaction or are they going to develop a tumor. But again, it's low risk. One in 10,000 is not very high. For me, it's not a reason not to vaccinate, but it's definitely a reason to get educated. Well, can I tell you a sad story about this? Mm-hmm. In fact, I saw a kitty recently who was a strictly indoor kitty. But I hadn't seen the kitty in a long time, several years, I think maybe six years or so. And I saw her and she was exhibiting neurologic signs. And of course, that would be consistent with rabies. But I know the client and I know that she's an indoor only cat. However, because of the neurologic signs, she was showing some sort of random aggression Mm -hmm. and If she had bitten a human being in my state, because rabies is a requirement here, Mm -hmm. if she had bitten a human being, I would have had to call the health department and it might have ended very poorly for this kitty. So Mm -hmm. I reminded the client, you know, I know she lives inside all the time. You think it's so unlikely, but in situations like this, that is life-threatening as well. To skip it was life-threatening for this cat. Yeah, exactly. And I can also just tell you, being the wife of, you know, someone who got bit by a cat that tested positive for rabies was terrifying because it's fatal in people. So, you know, these are real risks for people and for our pets. So I think, again, I'm definitely not saying blow off vaccines by any stretch of the imagination, but this is where having a real conversation with your veterinarian about the risks and the pros and the cons. And then when you vaccinate for the things that your kitty needs, what do you need to know about monitoring your kitty going forward is going to be super important. So I want my take-home messages for my listeners today to be Regular visits to your vet are very, very important. I also want everybody to realize that checking over your cat's body for lumps and bumps is also important and should be done on a schedule. You can find Dr. Sue's skin maps. Um, I'll get Dr. Sue to tell us exactly how to find everything before we end the show. But I do want everyone to be checking and to be looking and to be including their veterinarian. Do you have anything else that you would like to add, like where exactly we find you and your skin maps and things? Yeah. So three resources that I would love to direct you to. One is my website drsuecancervet.com. Under the resources tab, there's a lot of good information under pet owner info. Uh, You can also find the skin maps that you can print out a cat skin map. If you happen to have a dog as well, there's a dog skin map there as well. You can also find all of my videos and everything else. You know, my website is a pretty good place to find all things Dr. Sue. There's my Facebook page. You can follow me there. Lots of informational posts. We go back and forth between dog and cat informational graphics and 
I do pet Q&As once a month as well, live ones where you can ask questions. And then YouTube is sort of, to me, the best sort of like library of where you can go and find past videos about different Q&As and different videos about chemo and just questions that you may have about the cancer journey in pets. One more thing, I just added a video that I did for pet owners on the top 10 signs of cancer in pets. It, it's not a professional video, but it's a, it's a good video that has all the information in there. So that would be another good resource for pet owners if they want. And again, they can find it on YouTube on the Dr. Sue channel. All right. And it's all free. So um, because Dr. Sue and I want to share information to empower our cat owners as pet owners so that they can give their pets the best care to keep them happy and healthy for as long as possible. Well, thanks, Dr. Sue. It's so much fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. As always, I thank you for listening to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And I want to thank our terrific producer, Mark Winter. So everybody go out there and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.